this is the Quocast, and I'm here today with Daniel, who has many Quo stories. But first, uh, please tell us how you got into Quo in the first place. I was five years old, uh, so it would have been 1988. And I remember seeing the promo video for Burning Bridges, uh, probably on something like Top of the Pops. Um, and, you know, the video where they're all dancing around, jumping up and down. And obviously the riff of Burning Bridges always seems a little bit childlike to me. And from that day, I was kind of hooked on music and quo um, at five. So 31 years later, it's still... Uh, there and Burn and Bridges is still one of my actual favourite quote songs. <laughs> In the late eighties, there was this real uh, reinvigorated feeling, wasn't there? Well, to be honest, I was five, so um, I remember seeing the video of Burn and Bridges, and then discovering that my cousin, who I actually gig alongside when I go to gigs normally, his mum had the seven-inch vinyl of Burn and Bridges, um, and it was like, wow, there's that record, you know. You know, at five years old, put burning bridges on, put burning bridges on, play it, play it, play it. And then from that kind of age, you know, you're not old enough to start going to buy yourself records and, you know, cassettes as it was back then and wherever else. It just started, you know, the, the bug kicked in. It wasn't until I was about seven or eight when you start going, right, I want more records, I want more quo. And yeah, I think, you know, after, after burning bridges, I know there was Perfect Remedy in between the album. And then obviously Anniversary Waltz, which like was the kind of major hit. That was when it really sunk in of like, right, this is my this is my music kind of thing. When did you see them for the first time? You got into them at five years old, but when did you see them? It was actually quite a lot later than five, because obviously I, I, I lived in Liverpool um, and I was five. My parents both don't drive. So getting to a gig, because Quo never played Liverpool after 1986, and the first time we played it after 86 was in the year 2000 on the Famous in the Last Century tour. Um, so it was 2000 the first season, so it would have been 17. And since the year 2000, I think it's approaching or just on 300 gigs since the first time seeing them live. <laughs> wow, that is, uh, that is quite a number. And um, have you seen more of one lineup than another? Yeah, well, obviously, obviously, Matt was the drummer in 2000 to 2012. I mean, he'd done a few um, gigs, I think, in Mexico. So, obviously, Matt would be the drummer that I've seen most with Quo. Also, now we've got Leon on the seat, who, you know, both drummers are great drummers. Uh, Matt was, I would say, you know, musically a bit more technical, but Leon's got a little bit more, um, you know, like he's giving it 110% all the time. And he's just, a little bit, you know, he's just a thrill to watch actually, Leon, when you see him, he's having so much fun. A bit like Richie with Quo now, you know, people who have come from kind of nowhere and been plucked into one of the biggest rock bands in the world, you know, the quote we always use is living the dream. And I think, you know, Leon and Richie are both living the dream with Quo at the minute. Well, and now their um, contributions can now be heard on the new album. Yes, Leon's track um, is really... Um, it's got a bit of a Quo-ish theme going to it, but it's a little bit different. Kind of reminds me a bit of a Leonard Skinner riff. Um, catchy uh, Richie's song, 
is an out and out, you know, queller. You know, that you know, I have read some reviews this morning online and they've compared Richie's song to, you know, the old quells on the Demon the Frantic Four quell, which I know a lot of the fans want. So it's getting delivered, so let's hope we actually like it. I have heard that particular track and I do feel when when I heard it I did think, well, Rick used to do kind of this darker edge. Yeah, and yeah, he he does. And, you know, Richie's got a really good voice as well. I know we always say he's not, and, and you know, he's not trying to be Rick, because that would be, you know, obviously, we, we use the word disrespectful to Rick. You know, if he walked on stage, you know, with long blonde hair and white and black Charlie Casser, then that would just be wrong. Richie, in my opinion,'s come in. Yes, he's playing the songs, but he's putting his own stamp on the songs now. And um, you can actually see, you know, stuff like Mystery Song, when you play it live. Yes, you know, to most people it'll sound the same. But as someone who's seen Crow so much and heard them so much, you can see that he's putting his own ways in it, you know. And I've, I've seen it with Francis and Richie talking, that Richie's actually trying to get the band to play it more like the original recording. And you can see it on tracks, actually, something like Softer Ride. You know, it's much more, I can use the word, ballsy in places. <laughs> I do agree with you, and I think I've also seen that interview. So you have actually met the band. How did any of that come about? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've met them. I've met the band a couple of times. Um, the most, I would say I was lucky and fortunate enough to be in some um, positions that people would like, kind of dream of. So the main one was 2005. Quell were doing a live session for Radio 2. Uh, on the Ken Bruce show early morning, right through the day. Um, basically, Quo were set up in a studio, no stage wear, no waistcoats, no, you know, no big stacks of marshals or such. And it was like sitting in the room, watching Quo in your living room, kind of play. Kind of surreal moment when you walk into the toilet, you know, and, you know, there's Francis going, good morning, you know, having breakfast, walking around studios, it was kind of, it was only after that actually I was there, it took about a day later, I realised, I thought, bloody hell, I've just been sitting in the studio with a, you know, Quo, you know, watching them play songs, broadcasting it live. And the funny thing is, that recording from, it was done at Made of Vale Studios in London. I always have a bit of a joke, because it was released on the BBC box set, that session. And when you play, obviously when you play Rock and Roll the World live, they have the, uh, the crowd to join in. Obviously, there's no crowd there, but if you just about hear a few little voices in the background singing all over the world, that's actually me. <laughs> that's a real surreal experience, I, I should think. Yeah, and um, yeah, and 2016, basically, I've got a mass collection of guitars, replicas of clothes, unit bits and bobs, three members of the band, Garth Shatton. Um, I've got a replica of Andrew Bounds, Red Telecaster. Uh, not the obvious quote replica to have, but I had one built just like his. Andrew got wind of it, wanted to see it. One thing led to another. The, the guitar got took to the band. Um, they've all signed it, you know, played it. Francis was really impressed with it. I think Francis's words were, four of us in the band love that guitar, one of us doesn't. And the one that doesn't being Andrew Bound himself, because I think it's just his dry humour. And then that led to me um, a few days later, uh, the 23rd of December, 2016, the day before the worst thing that could have happened potentially happened. Um, I was with Quo at Liverpool Echo Arena, um, sound checking, walking around, looking at the guitars, etc., etc. Again, 
it's one of them, you know, when you're there, it's just the norm, like hanging out with your mates. That's the thing with Quo, when you see Quo live and there's no kind of celebrity, look at me, you know, I'm a celebrity, stay away. They're just such normal blokes. And that, yeah, it's just one of the moments when you, once you've done it, it takes a day or two and you go, Christ, I've just been, you know, walking around the stage, standing on stage next to Francis Rossi. Odd, but, you know, it's memories that, you know, they'll be there till the day I go and, you know, yeah, cherish them. It is amazing. Have you actually played any of their guitars? I've roadied for Rhino with Rhino's Revenge. You know, I've got, you know, through uh, Chris, who does his, his PR for him on social media, we were asked to give him a hand. I've picked up his white Rhino bass. Yeah, I've got one of them as well in my collection, signed by John. Yeah, I, when, when I was at Liverpool, um, obviously Lloyd knows that I'm into guitars. And as soon as he walked up onto the stage, basically threw a guitar at me, went, there you go, well, look at that one. So, yeah, I have. And the funny thing was when I was there, I don't like when 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 I've the, the few times I've been with Quo kind of on a personal level, I don't become a fan that gets kind of starstruck because to me I see them as just normal blokes. You know, I wouldn't get my camera out start getting selfies because I think you know what they're in their time, I'm in their kind of working area. Let them be and just you know, kind of like having a photographic memory. I've got the memories in my head and what I did and what I've done. And that's enough for me to know. You know what I mean? I do indeed. Um, what's your favourite Quo album? Do you have a favourite? Oh, that's a one that can change daily mood and depending on your mood. I mean, being somebody that grew up with modern Quo, you know, obviously I know there's the Fantic Four that I do, you know, who will argue that there's nothing past 1976. I grew up with, obviously, you know, as I call it, the more modern Quo. Probably one of my favourite albums. I, I love the Rockery Drop album. Yeah, on the other hand, I love the sound and the production of the Whatever You Want album from 79. It's, it's a hard one to pinpoint a particular album that you go, it's the ultimate one. You know, people love heavy traffic. Yes, it's a great album. When it came out, it was the best thing since sliced bread. But then you think, you know, there's albums like Quid Pro Quo, which have kind of potentially surpassed that as, you know, a good album or a better album. John Eden's recent remix of Rockin' All Over the World made you also reevaluate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, I, I think that came about two, three years ago, that re- remastered, reworked version of Rockin' Over the World. And, yeah, the, the original recording of Rockin' Over the World, the original release, yes, you know, it's quo, but it's kind of a little bit thin and weak in places. Stuff like Rock is Rollin'. I know John Eden's just done a really good video with Rock and Roll and showing his production and how he done it. And he actually was in tears at the end of the video. He was that pleased with it. But then you listen to like the remastered version of that album and it really is. It's basically like having, it's like turning the Marshall up to 11. It's at 10. And it's that final tap. We've turned it to 11 and it's got a bit more beef and a bit more growl to it. And it really is good. I mean, it's not like Dirty Wolf. It's a song that Quo fans divides. Some people hate Dirty Water and some love it. Now, the remastered version or the reworked version sounds so much better than the kind of original, you know, that was put out in 77. Hold you back. The version that's on the reworked version of the new album of it is so much better. Much more like the actual live sound of Quo. Yeah, which I think is what he was going for. Yeah, and you can tell. I mean, a track on that album that I really like is Who Am I? Again, it's not one of the most popular tracks. It's just kind of 
you know, in the back of, you know, as a, as a filler, if you want to call it that, or just an album track. And again, it's a really good song, the remastered version. Again, it's just giving it a little bit more oomph to it. I personally have enjoyed listening to Baby Boy on that album. That's a really, it, it kind of, uh, it makes you rethink it because on the original album, like you say, it's quite weak and you can hear every element and that just shows you the different direction they were going down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, technologies have improved since, you know, when it was recorded originally, they can enhance the quality. And that's the thing with an album like Rockin' Over the World. Yes, people would see it and go, oh, yeah, that's the biggest, most known song Quo do. But it's actually, in my opinion, quite a diverse album, sound-wise as well. And some say it was the making of Quo's new sound, and it was the end of what was the Fantic Four as such. But to me, it shows how versatile and in some ways diverse Quo can be as a band, as musicians, because Baby Boy, there's no chug and twelve bar, boogie riffs and that, Dirty Water, another one, for you. You know, there's all, there's a little bit of everything for everyone on that album, I think. Yeah, it's light and shade. Um, as somebody that grew up with the modern quo, as as I did and, and you obviously did, um, what do you make of the covers albums that they made in the mid to late 90s? I will be totally honest, I actually enjoy them. I mean, Don't Stop, when it came out, was a huge success. So obviously, you know, I know Quo fans squirm and go, oh God, not them Quo covers albums. Don't Stop, I think, was number one, number two? Number two. In the charts, yeah. Sold excessive amount of copies, so it was successful. You know, it's produced quite nice. I know Francis recently said that um, Quo's version of When You Walk In The Room it's one of his favourite recordings they've done of what they've recorded in their career. And it really is a really well-polished, well-produced album. Again, not stereotypical quo, the whole album. But it works. Famous in the last century was, I think, a bit more cheesy. More like a ju- Famous in the last century reminds me of a jukebox. And if you could put that on at a party and just play it all the way through without it stopping, and it's just going to play. And the Riffs album, I thought, was... The Riffs album for me, without sounding silly, it nailed on what Quo sounded like live. Matt Letley's drumming sounded more like Matt. Heavy Traffic and Riffs is the same lineup. I actually think the sound quality of Heavy Traffic, the sound quality on the Riffs album is better than Heavy Traffic. The band sound more live. And not as flat. I think I'd, I agree with you. I would have to go back and listen again to uh, to get that. But I think I, I understand what you mean. Heavy Traffic's got a bit more... I mean, Heavy Traffic was great. And I'm not dissing it, it's a great album. But with the same lineup a year later, I think the, maybe whether it's production technique or recording technique, but I know riffs get slated. And it wasn't what you call a commercial success for the band. But there's something on that album that makes me think, yes, the bands actually sound kind of energetic, and they probably actually weren't, because I think it was forced upon them to record it. Um, but, you know, they, they're done. They've done, you know. I think you'll find now that a lot of big artists in the UK have all done some kind of covers album. You know, and I know Quote gets this for it because they've done three, but I think Rod Stewart's done a couple. So if, 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 if Quote can do it, well, if other people can do it, why can't Quote do it? It's, you know, at the end of the day, Quo is a, you know, if it'll sell records, they're going to do it. 
the acoustic albums, you know, the acoustic albums were massively, well, most of the first one, massively successful. And I think they are brilliant albums and potentially the Roundhouse gig was probably one of the best gigs I've seen Quo play. And it just shows you them. To me, people who, who, who I know who've knocked me for liking Quo, listen to the acoustic album. You'll see how good the musicians the band are. Were you actually at the Roundhouse gig? Yeah, yeah. I'm actually all over the actual footage of the Roundhouse gig. I should be on, I should be on royalties for it when the BBC keep using it on BBC Four. <laughs> wow, it's it's been great to to talk to you and to and to get a, another opinion, as it always is on this podcast. Um, out of the three hundred gigs, I, I'm going to hate asking you this, but out of the three hundred gigs, is there any gig that particularly stands out to you? The two gigs that spring to mind. I'm going to say, what's your best gig you've been to for Quo? And the two that spring to mind is the Roundhouse gig being one. And although it's not technically Quo. And people might hate me for saying this. It's Francis Rossi solo with his um, One Step at a Time stuff. The gig that was done for St. Luke's, again, I still be on realty for that. Um, I'm all over the DVD of that. was absolutely mind-blowing. It's hard to say to put it, obviously, on a DVD. I mean, I've seen a few shows previously, but there was something about them shows Obviously, hearing songs like Claudie, All We Really Want to Do, you know, songs that I really like getting played live. And it was just something different. And it just kind of ticks all the boxes. And you go, wow, that was a great gig. It was such a refreshing change, wasn't it, to hear all these songs live? Yeah. And, you know, Francis does, you know, his thing. You know, he's done his Rossi Ricard album this year. Again, really good album. Yeah, and uh, you know it's nice to sometimes see you know Rano John's when he does Rano Revenge is really good. If anyone's not been, I really would tell them go go out and see him because it's such a good night and you know it's a good laugh because they will mess around. There's no kind of formula. He has a set list, but then you can guarantee it halfway through he'll put something in that's not on the set list, and he'll do a few you know a few silly covers of you know songs that they wouldn't normally play. And then last time I've seen Rano's Revenge, they played some Beatles stuff, which is like, yeah, you know, this is interesting, you know, it's different. Well, it's, it certainly sounds like you're well embedded in the Quo universe. Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, when, when I got married uh, three years ago, we, obviously, my wife walked down the aisle to a chosen song after we'd done our vows and the ceremony was kind of done as you walked back up the aisle. Uh, we walked up the aisle to the acoustic version of Pictures of Magic Men. And that was kind of the choice of my wife, because she loves that particular... I mean, she's not a Quo fan, but she said, that's such a lovely arrangement with the strings and the intro. Um, yeah, and then in the evening time, as a surprise to all the guests at my wedding, it was her idea more so than mine. I uh, ended up playing an hour on stage in the band as a surprise to all the guests. Basically, after hide in the corner upstairs, get into a Francis outfit, come downstairs, light off, drone comes on, and there's me at my own wedding playing on stage. Great idea on paper. Totally exhausting. <laughs> I thought it was finished. <laughs> well, I'm sure it was a, a memorable day. 
for you. Yeah, it was. It was. And the thing I'll say with Quo, and we often say the Quo army or the Quo, the loyal family, the thing that you'll find with Quo fans, and I found it quite a lot, is you go to a gig and it's like, you, you know, you get to see, you know, familiar faces and everybody's so nice. You know, everybody just lets on and hello, I've not seen you for a few years now. Get to know people from Denmark, Germany, Switzerland. It's such nice to, you know, go to and say hello and, you know, it, it, it really, it's like, it is like one big family. It really is like a big family. And as, as Rick used to say, it is the loyal family, which we are. Yes, I, I have had that feeling when I've been to see them live a few times. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on the Quocast today. I, I could talk to you for, for hours, it seems. I could, do, I could do my own I Talk Too Much Talk if I wanted to, but I fancy to do a double header and I'll do an I Talk Too Much Talk with them. <laughs> Quite possibly. That's something you can suggest next time you see them. <laughs> My pleasure, Jamie. Lovely speaking to you today. 